I have an important question for you this morning. Are you living for the prize? As you look back at me this morning, I will follow that up with a question. Do you even know what the prize is? Would the people around you who are at your workplace or in your neighborhood, would they know what you prize? What is it that the people around you prize? Being a decent person? The person with the most toys at the end wins? Would you open your Bibles this morning to Philippians chapter 3? Philippians 3. We're continuing along in our series and uh, the Apostle Paul is going to answer the question for us today, what the prize is. What is the prize? Are we living for the prize? If you are able, why don't we stand as we read the Word of God today. I'm looking at Philippians 3, verse 12. I'm going to read right down through to 4, 1. Not that I've already obtained, and in the NIV it says all this, those words are added, referencing back to what he said, or have already been made perfect. I have lots of work to do. But I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus." All of us who are mature should take such a view of things. And if on some point you think differently, that too God will make clear to you. Only let us live up to what we have already obtained. Join with others in following my example, brothers, and take note of those who who live according to the pattern we gave you. For as I have often told you before, and now say again, even with tears... Many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destiny is destruction, their God is their stomach, and their glory is in their shame. Their mind is on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables Him to bring everything under his control will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. Therefore, my brothers, you whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, that is how you should stand firm in the Lord, dear friends. This is the word of God. Father, We ask this morning that you would open up our hearts to be willing to receive what you have for us. I pray, O God, that we might measure our own lives against what we see written to us. I pray, O God, that you would help us by your strength, the promised strength from this text, to enable us to live in a way that demonstrates our great love for you. I pray, O God, that we would be people who uh, it is apparent to all that we love the Lord and we are waiting for Him. I pray, O God, that that our lives may reflect the glory of the Lord, that we might not be those whose shame is glory or whose 
God is our stomach or whose destiny is destruction. Oh God, may forbid that that would be anyone in, this, in, in the hearing of this message. So I pray today, oh God, that we would take seriously what you have for us and that, that you would have free reign to transform our hearts. Lord, may we be people who submit ourselves to the rule of Christ in our life, I pray for Jesus' sake. Amen. Please be seated. I basically want to unravel for you one sort of odd sentence, somewhat convoluted, but I hope that it will make sense to you. To grow, in in this text here, we're, we're, we're sort of jumping in, verse 12, we're jumping into a context, of course, I'm going to talk to you about that. But, but in verse 12, he says, not that I have already obtained all this. The, the, all this is, is added so we might understand what it's referencing. It's, not that I've already obtained all the things I've just said to you. But I, I press on to take hold of that. And, and so I want to I point out this sentence. For the structure of this section, it's going to be simply this. To grow in this... The reference before, uh, knowing Christ, you must keep your eyes on that, which he calls, I'm going to press, hold, press on and take hold of, which is the prize, or you put yourself in danger of living like them, enemies of the cross. That's how this whole section plays out. That's where we're heading. That's what I hope to accomplish. The three sections today, I want to talk about what this is, I want to talk about what that is, and I want to talk about what them is. Horrible grammar, but I think you get the point. So, Paul has, has given a, a, a very, very important dis, uh, discussion before on the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ. That's the this that he's talking about. Not that I've already obtained all this. I, I, I uh, have put behind myself things. I am embracing the righteousness that has been given to me by God. I, I want to know Christ. I want to know the power of his resurrection. I want to fellowship in his sufferings and somehow to obtain the resurrection at death. He, he's talking about this. And so... He wants to talk now about how could we measure our progress? Well, what do we need to do practically to make this happen in our lives? It's one thing to talk theologically about knowing Christ and, and experiencing the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings, but how do I do that? How can I actually practically engage in that experience in my life? This is not the transfer of one form of self-effort to another, by the way. This is calling on God to practically empower us to live a life that will, will uh, accomplish the, 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 the knowing of, this, uh, of Jesus Christ and all of that, that that means. By the way, the people who perk up at this, the people who, who have heard this already, people in this group this morning are perking up and saying, I'm in, I, I want to know this, I need to know this, are people who already know the Lord Jesus Christ. If you know the Lord Jesus Christ... And someone comes along to you and says, I'm going to show you how you can really know him, how you can really drive deep your roots into the Lord. Those who really know Christ are saying, I'm in. I'm, I want to hear this. I'm all in for that. I, I want to know what this is. Because a spiritual interest in things like this 
is placed in the hearts of those who really know Jesus. I'm going to tell you right, right from the get-go this morning, if, this has no, if you have no interest in this, if this doesn't capture your imagination right from the beginning, then you need to go back to the beginning of, 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 and, and meet Jesus at the cross of Calvary. Because uh, this is for those who have already come to know Christ and have now a spiritual interest that comes from knowing him. We are no longer dead in our trespasses and sins, living only a physical life, but our spiritual life has been made alive in Jesus Christ. And when we hear things like this that says, I'm going to show you how you can really know Christ and how you can stand firm in the Lord, those who know him are saying, I'm in for that. I want to hear about that. And I'm ready to drop old ways and old bad habits, old bad religious habits, dependencies on good behavior. I'm ready to drop cultural values of the flesh. I'm ready to drop spiritual passivity and laziness. I'm interested because I'm ready to drop all of that and move on to something better in Christ. But I've got to tell you that I'm a bit discouraged with the pace of things in my life. Well, join the club. In fact, join the club of Paul. He says, not that I've already obtained. I mean, he's got this, this great desire to really embrace all that salvation has brought to him, but he's longing for more. He's saying, I, I've, I've not arrived there. He says, I've not been made perfect. In fact, there's no, the, there's no perfection theology taught in the scriptures. There's this journey with Jesus until he comes and gets us. That's what's taught in the scriptures. So, so you might be saying out there this morning, I'm discouraged about the pace of my life. Like I said, join the club. But you might also be out there saying, you know what? Nobody's ever talked to me about a pattern or an example or, or how, I could, how I could be doing better. And, and that's what Paul says here. He says, join with others in following my example and take note of those who live according to the pattern we gave you. There is a pattern to this. There, there, is, a, there is laid out for us a way that we can know Christ more, that we can, can, can sink our spiritual roots deeper. I'm going to talk to you about that pattern. That's what we're looking at this morning. Or maybe some of you this morning are saying, I'm really not certain about the goal. I mean, I got saved. I, I've come to know Jesus Christ, but, but you're talking about the goal and the prize. I, I, maybe I don't really know what that is. Well, we got good news for you. We're going to talk about that today. We're going to show you what that is. So I've got three things, three points for you this morning tied up in that convoluted sentence. And with that as an introduction, let me just launch into this. The first thing is this. I find it in the phrase, but I press on, verse 12, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Seize the purpose of your calling in Christ Jesus. This word take hold is a, is it, why I've, I've changed it to the word seize because it is, a, it, it is a word that sort of grasps for your life. You know, if someone was reaching down and you were sinking down into the water, you were going down for the last time, this is grab hold of that hand. Seize the purpose of your calling in Christ Jesus. Because um, you'll note here that it says, I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. 
I'm going to probably say this half a dozen times. I do not want to steer you to some sort of self-effort religion. From start to finish, everything that pleases God is what He does for us and not what we do for Him. And so He points out here very clearly, you're to take hold of what you've already been taken hold of for. In other words, the move was first by God. Jesus Christ reached out and took hold of you. Let yourself meditate and ruminate on that for a few moments. This thing that we call salvation is not generated from ourselves. This is by the grace of God who out of his kindness and love reached down into your life and pulled you out of your sin-laden, self-centered Satan-pleasing life and took hold of you and seized you out of the world. And this picture of him taking hold of you, now this, Paul says, the first step in the pattern is to reach out with both of your hands and grab hold of the Jesus who grabbed hold of you. That's this picture here. An important picture to take hold, you've been taken hold of, to take hold of. You've been pulled out of religious ritualism that in some way thought you could please God or some addiction to personal rights or relying on rules or however you were living. And you have been rescued from that. And now, by, now the call on your life by the power of God is to ask him to, to give you the passion to hold on, to take hold of Christ with both arms and, and live out what we have already obtained. You can't move on to bigger and greater and better things with God if you're not willing to fully embrace with passion what you've already obtained. So what is that? You, you have a new lease on life because you have new birth, and because you have new birth, you've been made spiritually alive, and because you've been made spiritually alive, you're able to respond to God. You're able to understand His Word. You're able to welcome His Word, and God speaks to you, and He calls to you. So you take on this rescue posture, and then latch on to such great Savior this is the this that he's first of all talking about. Not that I've already obtained all of this. The grasping on, holding on, and fully acquiring all that I've already obtained. Okay? And so I'm going to review a little bit of what Pastor Nick said last week because it ties in. He's talking about back to verses 10 and 11. And even back to verse 8. You know, when he says, what is more, I consider everything lost compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I've lost all things. I consider them rubbish that I may gain Christ. As far as Paul is concerned, what he had should be left on the side of the road like a, like a Tuesday night bag of trash. That's what he's talking about here. That I might gain Christ. 
be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, that which I, is through, but that which is through faith in Christ. I, I, he says, I formerly was so proud of my ritualistic religion. I was so proud of my effort to be a religious guy. And, and I, I used to present that to God and think that it was so great. And it was an offering of my self-righteousness. And I came to realize that that wasn't pleasing to God at all. Because I was generating some sort of righteousness, and, and all that I could generate is just filthy rags. But I thought God loved it. And then I realized that only what God gives to me can I present back to him, and he will be pleased with. And so he says, I, this is the pattern. I want to move into a, a, a more sound experience of what I have already obtained in salvation. What have we obtained in salvation? We've obtained the right to know Christ. We've obtained a righteousness from God. We've obtained a resurrection power. We've obtained the right to have fellowship with Christ at the deepest, deepest level in the hardest, hardest moments. And I, he says, I haven't fully embraced all the benefits of that. So let me just review with you again what that looks like. What we've already obtained. To take a robust hold of Christ Jesus as Lord of my life. What does that look like? It, it, it's, that's what he means when he says, I want to know Christ. If he's going to be Lord of my life, I need to know him. I need to know who this Lord of my life is. And, and there's only, there, there's, a, there's a requirement of our, in, an investment of ourselves to know him. And it is time, it is talk, and it is trust. Those three things. If you want to know Jesus, like Paul says here, if you, if you can honestly say here this morning, yeah, Paul, you know what? I want to know Jesus too. I really want to know the surpassing greatness of Jesus Christ as my Lord. I want to know him. Well, then I'm telling you how, how his pattern is. It requires time. Because this is a relationship. It requires time. It requires talking to Jesus and him talking to us. Spending time in his word. Spending time in prayer. Getting to know Jesus one-on-one. -on -one, you and Jesus. And it requires trust. It requires trust in him as Lord of your life. That what he says we're supposed to do, we do. What he promises we will get if we pay attention to what he says, we trust him and do it. And we will get what he promises. That's what it means to, to, to know, to really know the Lord. Acting upon what you know, and then Jesus will act upon what he has promised you. What does it mean to have uh, to, to know, um, to experience the righteousness from God. Positionally, we have been declared righteous, justified. We are positionally righteous before God. But there's a practical reality to that. When you have received the gift of God's righteousness, there is a, nat a new natural in you that says, I want to live in the right ways of God. This you should be experiencing in your life. This should be something. This is what you've already obtained. Now, this is what, how you should live. 
we've, we've, we've received or we've attained or obtained the, the resurrection power of Christ. Well, that's not just for when we're dead. That, that's talking about bringing us to life now. We were formerly, before we knew Jesus Christ, we were dead in our trespasses and sins. Yes? Dead. We were spiritually dead. The people who don't know Jesus have no innate draw to hear him or understand him or be drawn to him in any way because spiritual deadness is just that. When you are in your trespasses and sins, you are dead to the voice of God. But when you have been made alive through salvation by the grace of God, when he's reached in and made you come alive in Christ, you now have received the resurrection power of Christ. Because the same power that raised Christ from the dead is the power that causes you now to live in a new life before Christ. So you now hear the Lord. You now have new abilities to morally live according to the scriptures. You've been made alive in Christ. Just a page over in your Bibles, in Colossians 3, verse 1. Since then, you have been raised with Christ. That's resurrection language. Set your hearts on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. We have the power through the new birth reality in our lives to live a new life pleasing God in every moral way. We can no longer say, I can't do that. I can't say no to that sin. I can't get victory over that sin. We no longer can say that because we've been given resurrection power to live a new life in Christ. And we've been given the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings. Fellowship with Christ, literally, in frightening times. That's what that means. It means experiencing the nearness of Jesus when righteous living causes you to suffer. When knowing Jesus, when saying no to sin, costs you. And it will. It will cost you friends. It will cost you, there will be significant attacks of Satan. There's a great cost to evangelism. There's fallout from living in this fallen world. When you choose to, when you choose to uh, accept this pattern of living and experience what you've obtained in Christ, you, it will cost you. And you, will, you are promised in the context of that cost that Jesus Christ's fellowship will be your experience. I will never leave you and I will never forsake you, especially in the times of suffering for righteousness' sake. That's the promise. That's what this is all about. That's seizing the purpose of your calling in Christ, is to take full advantage of all these benefits that have been given to you. Now, this is a process, so don't be discouraged. Paul himself was realistic about where he was. Knowing Christ like this is a lifetime project that requires intentional effort on your part, energized by the living God. So you can turn this into a prayer. Oh, Jesus, I want to know you. 
I want to know you. I want to know you more. And I want to experience the power of your resurrection in my life. I want you to bring my life, I want you to bring me to life that I'm at a victory over the things that were formerly holding me captive when I was dead. And I want to know what it is to live in the righteous ways of God. And oh God, I want to know what it is to fellowship when the cost is so hard. It's a prayer. It's yours. In so doing, you become like him. The more you know Jesus, the more you look like him. That's the deal. The more you learn to say no to sin and yes to Jesus. Okay, there's more. That's the first part of the pattern. I press on to seize the purpose of my calling in God. Are you doing that, brother and sister? Because you can't get out of the gate until you're, you've got to get out of the gate here. And if you've been stalled somewhere, you can get back out of it. But this is what you've got to do. Secondly, he goes on to here to say, brothers, I do not consider myself to yet have taken hold of it, to have seized it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ. To obtain the prize. There's a tradition in athletics, in most athletics anyway, and that is when it gets down to the final game or the final round of golf or whatever it is where the championship is going to be determined, they haul out the prize, right? Whether it's the recent World Cup, that gold soccer ball with little thing that everybody was working so hard to get, they bring that thing out and everybody's got their eyes on the prize. Or Lord Stanley's Cup, much better trophy by far. <laughs> they bring that honking thing out, wearing white gloves, you know, put that thing on the table and everybody's looking at it and you're playing that last game for the prize and you got your eyes on the prize. It, it, it's, it's the way championships are won. And, and Paul had this, he had this love relationship with athletics. There's no question in my mind that Paul was a sports lover because he talks so much about sports all the time. He's always talking and giving athletic examples. And so he paints this picture in the scripture of the pattern of his life. He says, I want, to, I want you to know how I'm living this life of Christ. He says, I'm, I'm living like a runner, a runner who rounds the corner. And as he rounds the corner, he sees the prize, he sees the goal, he sees the end. And I run in such a way to win the prize. And, and he talks here about with, with great emotional vigor. This, this is not mamby-pamby language where I can, I can take it or I can leave it or, you know, ho-hum, no big deal, you know, uh, you know like Tim Bits hockey, you know, the, the first prize is playing. I didn't know. None of this participation award stuff. None of that stuff. This is about winning. This is about the prize, okay? This is about us as believers finally waking up to what we are getting at the end of this thing, okay? So 
He's talking here about now straining, secondly, toward the prize for which God has called you. I'm not making this stuff up. Look at the language yourself. Forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God, again, it's never about him, it's always about God, has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. That is, verse 14 is such a glorious verse. So brothers and sisters, the key to moving forward in Christ Jesus and really driving hard forward is to appreciate the stakes and the prize, to keep your eyes on the prize. What's the prize? The prize is this. When we die, we live. That's, un- that's incredible. That's amazing. Seriously, when we die, we live. And we live for a long time. So he says, I live a totally different way than my neighbor who doesn't know anything about the prize. I live in an entirely different way than I used to live when I didn't get it. I I live in in a completely different world. The goal of our existence now is to be counted, numbered among the people of God on that last day when Jesus Christ comes to get us. That's what this is about, straining toward the prize for which God has called you. That's a heavenly calling. It's it's lived with limitations today, but it will be fully realized when Jesus Christ comes or when we die and go to be with him. We get the prize. Now, I want to show you something here this morning about this prize. If this doesn't look new to you, it's because it isn't new. All right? It's not new. Don't get hurt out there, sister. I want to talk to you this morning about what he's got his eyes on and what most of us have our eyes on. Most of us have our eyes on this. This is your life. This is my life. There's a little tiny, I got a little tiny gold band here to point out that this is the time where you're making money, buying things, all kinds of earthly things and really, really into it. But this is your whole life. And then there's a little black line here where you die. <laughs> but you know what this is? This is, this is the prize. This is what the prize is. Look at it. This is the prize. And what are we doing? We're putting all of our, investing all of our energy right here, right there. Little band of gold. I think there's a song called a band of gold, but little, little prize here, a little, little buying of a car. Oh, I got myself a career. Um, I'm, I've got myself a wife. I've got some children, buying a house, buying a cottage. Got a boat now. Can go fishing. And got a bank account, got an RRSP, and it's getting pretty big, too. And there's our eyes, right there. Paul says, this is what we're living for. This is the deal. The strain toward the prize 
for which God has called you heavenward to be with Jesus forever. Why, Paul says, why am, I, why am I putting effort into this knowing Jesus thing? Because I'm investing in who I'm going to be with, who I'm going to know, who loves me for a long, long time. This, by the way, string is 100 feet. It's just the first millisecond. Just the first millisecond. And here we are, worried and fretting and investing our time and our talents and our energy in that. How do we do this? He says here, you forget. You'll be forgetting what is behind. No race-inhibiting distractions. There's one thing that runners don't do, sprinters don't do, racers don't do. Anybody know what that is? You don't look back. You do not look back. The picture here, by the way, when he's using this straining, the straining word is this word of of head stretched forward. You know when you're coming to the finish line? You ever been watching a race? People are coming to the finish line. I got to watch I don't fall off the platform here. You're coming to this line. What do they always do? They like, they throw their head out to get that final advantage. And that's the picture. He's straining. I'm, he says, I'm living my life every day like straining, straining forward. I, I'm not looking back. I'm not looking to the side. I'm not, there's no race inhibiting distractions allowed in my life. Because I'm pushing forward and I'm forgetting what is behind. What are the things that are behind that he's forgetting? Self-righteous religion. I put all that behind me. That, that, that isn't it. I used to rely on the external. I, the rituals to be right with God. Listen, brother and sister. Your baptism didn't put you right with God. Your perfect Sunday school attendance didn't put you right with God. Keeping the Ten Commandments hasn't put you right with God. That, 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 all that stuff, all the self-righteous stuff that you might have been thinking you were giving to God, and that's not bringing you to God. It's Jesus Christ who took hold of you, who seized you by his grace and brought you into his family. And now you have a righteousness from God. That's what counts. So I put the self-righteous stuff behind me, Paul says. I, I've put the flesh-driven lifestyle behind me. I used to be mostly driven uh, by, and happy when, when, uh, when I was glorifying uh, my physical desires. That, that, that's who I was. Maybe some of you were like that. Maybe some of you remember that. The things that were destructive, the spiritual goals, that's the stuff you used to be all about, the material and the sensual. I, I used to be all about this, Paul says. I was all about this. I'm putting, I forget that. I'm putting that all behind me. I'm changing the way I live. I'm putting behind me emotionally crushing defeats. So many people in God's family are sidelined or stalled because they continue to rehearse the failures of their past. You can't run the race to win if you're continuing to rehearse the failures of your past. Paul says, I'm forgetting those things that are behind me. God has forgiven you, brother and sister. 
You, you don't have to be stalled saying, well, I can't forgive myself. Are you serious? If Almighty God has forgiven you, you, you're, you are trumped. You are, you are wasting your time if you think you need to forgive yourself. If God has forgiven me, that's all that matters. I'm not going to, I'm forgetting what's behind. I've got to press on to what's ahead. I've got to run the race to win. It's offensive to God for you to stall your spiritual journey while he has to wait for you to forgive yourself. Are you serious? Does that, does that, is that theology? That's not theology. That's humanism. God has forgiven you. Move forward. And finally, you can't coast on yesterday's spiritual victories. You need a present testimony. Forget what's behind you. You, you can't live on, a, on something that was great 10 years ago. I, I had something great going with Jesus 10 years ago. I'm sorry. You've got to deal with, uh, you've got to be thinking about this right now. You need, a, you need a today testimony. You need a personal testimony. What's going on as you're looking to this? What changes are you making in your life? What difference does it make in your life? How are you buying things differently? How are you planning things differently? Because you're looking at this and not that. Straining. The goal is to not miss out on salvation, to not look back. There's surely echoes of Israel and echoes of Sodom here. When Israel left Egypt, they said, oh, would that we would go back, go back to Egypt. What did Lot's wife do? She didn't forget what was behind. She turned around and looked back. There's surely echoes of this in what Paul is writing here. So he says, I strain to win the prize. I strain to win the prize for which God has called me. The prize of eternity with Jesus. That's the prize. And then he concludes it by saying, and, and you know, we've got to offset this with the alternative. You know, the, the sentence is, to grow in this, you must keep your eyes on that or put yourself in danger of living like them. Notice what Paul says here. For I have told you, verse 18, for as I have often told you before and now say again with tears, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Many connected to this race substitute the prize God offers for the one their flesh craves. Paul he, he says this with tears. Why? Because there's many people he knew. People he knew. People he knew were stranded, investing entirely everything right here. And putting nothing for here. The world has a different goal than we have. And no eternal prize. 
See, the people who live as enemies of the cross, their destiny is destruction. What, is it, what does it mean to live as an enemy of the cross? It, it means they're, they're living, their behavior negates the value of the cross. The cross, we've just described to you, what you the, all the, uh, the, what you have obtained. The, 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 the desire to know Christ, the righteousness from God, uh, fellowship in the sufferings of Christ, the resurrection power. That's what the cross brought for us, to change our lives. Many people, he says, living as enemies of the cross, they're living after their fleshly desires, which negates the point of the cross. So they're living as enemies. Who are they? Very quickly, the Judaizer legalists, for one thing, still pressing the issue of ceremonial ritual. In fact, insisting upon it, insisting upon circumcision and, and the, the Jewish practices of external religion to please God. They were still insisting upon it, making the cross unnecessary. The point is, if circumcision could save you, then Jesus died in vain. But there's, a, there's another group. He talks here about, because the Judaizers weren't these people, I, I don't believe. They, they weren't the people who their God is their stomach and glory is in their shame. These are people living not according to the law so much as living complete lasciviousness, com, with complete license. Just, just feeding their own fleshly desires. It was a huge problem in Corinth. We call them the Corinthian Charismatics because they were warding. And Paul is talking here about warding off what happened in Corinth so that it might not happen in Philippi. In, in Corinth, they, mis, they misunderstood the nature of salvation so that the prize that they wanted was here and now. They wanted the resurrection power of Christ to enable them to have power and prosperity and success. What they were doing is choosing to, to, to use the, the new teachings of Christ, the, the new reality of Christianity, and the power that was supposed to come with that, and they wanted to gratify their fleshly desires. They, they wanted to, to, to benefit from Jesus... By being powerful, by being rich, and by being always healthy, successful. So they were, they were taking the, the salvation that was supposed to, to bring them freedom from those desires that, that would turn them from the desires of earthly things to the desires of Christ. They were taking what Christ had given for them to give them now guilt-free, free access to fully embrace all of their fleshly desires. So much so that in 1 Corinthians 5, they were saying they were proud of the fact that they could have incest in their midst, and, and, and they were excited about it. Look what we can do now. We're so free. We can do anything. Paul says to them, you may be free, uh, you know, everything may be uh, free to you, but uh, permissible to you, but not everything is beneficial to you. And so there is this, this mixture of, of misunderstanding the prize and, and em embedding the prize in the stuff in this gold band right here. We want, we want the prize, this is the prize that we want Jesus to give us. And Paul says, no, no, this is the prize. Not this, not this earthly stuff. 
Not power and success and prosperity and being furtherly more entrenched in the things of this world. No. This is it. To move forward. What controls you now? The spirit or the flesh? He's saying the, these things, when the, 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 your stomach is your God, their God is their stomach and their glory is in their shame. You should be ashamed of the fact that you're living this way now. And you should be ashamed that you're putting Jesus' name to that and say, now Jesus has freed us to do all of this. Jesus has freed us to be guilt-free for, for desiring to be prosperous and successful. Those on a whole different race have their hearts and minds on earthly things. But our citizenship, he says, is in heaven. This life is an eager wait filled with decisions that have the eternal view in mind. Are you controlled by the flesh or are you controlled by the spirit? Are your eyes on the things of this earth or are your eyes on the prize? That's the contrast he sets up here for us. That's the pattern he sets up for us here. And we eagerly await, verse 20, a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control will finally transform our lowly bodies so that we will be like his glorious body. Why would we be investing in maintaining an earthly existence when the prize for us is completely to be released from all the, the, the things that tie us down, all the disabilities that we have, all the lack of enablements that we have, that we have because we are tied to this earth. And all of this is by being submitted to the rule and reign of Christ Jesus in our lives. Brothers and sisters, he completes it this way. By saying this, you whom I love and long for, because he's not there, you're my joy and you're my crown. This is how you stand firm in the Lord. This is what you tell people who you really love. You tell them this truth and you tell them by this pattern, you stand firm in the Lord. Father, I, I just pray this morning that you would um, take this core issue of our salvation journey, of how you grow us, and how we participate in that growth, O oh Lord. And you would help us to examine ourselves, examine our lives, are we running this race with our eyes on the prize? Or are we looking every which way, turning around, stopping, sidetracked, dabbling in this, dabbling in that, sinking our roots deeper and deeper into this world? I pray, O oh God, that you would, by your spirit, renovate in our hearts the changes that need to happen. For Jesus' sake, I pray.
Amen. That's the price. That's the price. Hey, don't leave without doing a little audit of your life, please. Are you investing most of your time, your energy, your talents, your treasures right here? What would people say is your investment? What would your kids say? Or are you investing here? Paul said, I keep my eyes on the prize. This is the prize, folks. Jordan's wrecked my prize. <laughs> this is the prize. Don't lose sight of the Christian reality. Listen, if you would like to pray with one of our pastors or talk to us, we'll be right here at the front. We'd love to do that and uh, go over this teaching more with you. If you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ, get in on this. Get in on the prize of Jesus Christ and the great prize that when we die, we live for a very, very long time. That's what we have. Amen? Amen. Amen. Father, thank you for this great gift of salvation through Jesus Christ, eternal life with Christ, transforming our lowly bodies into glorious bodies forever. Oh God, thank you. And we pray that we might live with a the reality of investing in what really matters and what, where we're going and what the prize is all about, I pray for Jesus' sake. Amen. Amen.